0: I hope you believe what you just sang. Obedience is the very best way. Probably the first time I ever sang that particular song right before the preaching of the message, but it, it fits in with the theme of the message today as we're going to look at a, an obedient church, the Church of Philadelphia. Now we started, I started a series some weeks back on the seven churches of Asia. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 3 and the title of the messages benefits of obedience you're going to see a phrase that's used regularly as this address is coming to these churches hear what the spirit saith unto the churches if you've been listening to the messages have you been taking it to heart i hope that you have because these messages were not only or solely for the churches of the first century time, but the applications are for churches today as well. The church of Ephesus had a lot of things going for them. They had right doctrine, but they had lost their first love. And that brought a very strong rebuke of the Lord. We never want to lose our love for Jesus Christ. The Bible says, by This shall all men know that you're my disciples, disciples, that you love one another. And of course, we know the primary command in Scripture is to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind. The church at Smyrna was, from an economic standpoint, very poor, but the Bible says it's a very important statement. But they were rich. So even though monetarily they were impoverished, they were rich spiritually. Then we looked at a compromising church, compromised with toleration of wrong teaching, the Church of Pergamon. And then another church, the Church of Thyatira, which also was a compromising church internally. They allowed a false prophetess to be able to teach in the church and influence others into a wrong direction. Lastly, we look at, last week, we look at the Church of Sardis. Here's a church that was called a lie, but it was dead, uh, a church that started out right but had now dried up spiritually with the exception of few people who were left there who were still alive for God. Now we're looking at a church that we find no indication of rebuke. It doesn't mean this church was perfect but it was a church that we could say, let's model after this. This church uh, had some very commendable things. Sometimes people ask the question, are there benefits to obeying the Lord? Well, we're going to look at some of those benefits today. Uh, before we read the passage of Scripture, uh, all the parents I've ever met want their children to be obedient. I've never met a parent yet says i really love it when my child disobeys we know we all want our children to obey but do all children obey with a good spirit well we know god has a remedy for that Um, and the remedy is kind of along this line they say that uh, canoes are directed best when paddled from behind and I'm not sure if you get that metaphor or not, but we are called upon obviously to help our children learn their responsibility to obey us as parents. So hopefully they will transfer that over later on and obedience to the Lord. But just like children often don't always obey the right way, so people who actually are children of God don't always obey the way they should and maybe you're like me you've had some struggles in this area where you you know what you should do you know that you get in trouble if you don't do it but you're reluctant to obey we need to constantly regularly check our hearts and make sure we are obeying the Lord not just in salvation but when he comes to doing what he wants for a life. So that's going to be our, our introspection, our reflection, as we look at this church, which was an obedient church. I want to read Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, And I will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. All right, let's pause for prayer. Heavenly Father, we need you, Lord. We need you more than we realize And we need you to help us and work in our hearts so that we're obedient, so that we have your commendation rather than rebuke. And thank you, dear God, for this, the testimony of this church, Church of Philadelphia. And I pray that we would also have this characteristic in our life, and that is of obedience. Please, dear God, speak to our hearts. We pray now in Jesus' name, amen. One of the questions I pose in a reflection of this message is, are there benefits to obeying the Lord? And sometimes we don't see those benefits right away, but they will come. Just like a young person who maybe is embarking, going to college and getting some training, and they're going through the grueling struggles of of studies and taking exams and so on, they don't see the fruit of their labor right away will sometimes think is it really worthwhile and some fall by the wayside they don't wait until they actually can get out in the job market and make something uh, when it comes to obe- obeying uh, the Lord we may not always see the benefits initially but we ought at least be mindful there are benefits to obeying the Lord giving you a little bit of background of this particular church that was started in the ancient city of Philip Philadelphia. This city was located in Asia Minor and was located very close to that previous church that we mentioned, but located about 25 miles southeast of Sardis. The city was named Philadelphia in recognition of a king who had devoted himself unselfishly to his brother. Now, we have to do a kind of a How can I say this? We know Philadelphia today may have originally been a city of brotherly love, but that's faded over a while, so now it's hard for us to see. City of brotherly love? Well, this city started out maybe with the right motives. Now, not necessarily from a spiritual standpoint, but that's what the word actually meant. A love of brethren, a love of brothers so though we do know a few things about the city it was located along a key trade commerce route Uh, one of the things that stand out in history about this earthquakes were very frequent in this region in 17 a.d now this would be uh, some decades prior to the writing of this scripture here but in 17 a.d an earthquake unparalleled in history up until that time, destroyed 12 cities in the Lydian Valley, including the city of Sardis and the city of Philadelphia. Now, what historians tell us that the aftershocks were so severe that some of the city's residents chose to live outside the city and erected huts rather than return to rebuild their homes, their houses in the city. Now, was this The first urban homeless crisis that took place, I I don't know, Uh, I really don't know about that, but nevertheless, these people were fearful that the earthquake would come again, so they they set up some temporary quarters outside the city for a long period of time. Well, some years after that, in 60 AD, another earthquake destroyed uh, the city of Laodicea, so uh, there were, There were some problems, there's no question about that with these earthquakes, but with the help of Tiberius Roman Emperor, this particular city of Philadelphia was rebuilt, and it was in this city of Philadelphia that a church was established in the first century. So we're talking about a good Bible-believing church established in the first century that if we lived in this particular area, that would be the church that most likely we would associate with. Obviously, they didn't have churches on every block. Unlike most of the other churches mentioned by the Apostle John in this book of Revelation, this church was without rebuke by the Lord. And we ought to pay careful attention to this. What was distinctive about this church of Philadelphia? Uh, I'm going to say to you that the key to answer this question is found in two phrases. One of the phrases is really a combination of two expressions. Verse 8 says, And I've kept my word and have not denied my name. So th- those expressions there. Plus, in verse 10, Thou hast kept the word of my patience. So, if we're to boil down what characterized the church of Philadelphia, though you might not see the word exactly obedience, they were an obedient church. They kept the word. They kept the word. The church was known by the Lord for its O B E D I E N C E. And you know what that spells. So this obedience resulted in wonderful promises, wonderful promise benefits. And I'm going to say to you that obedience provides definite benefits to the believer. If you've been a believer for any length of time, you've already realized this experientially. I guess we could even make that stronger, that word, rather than say obedience provides. That indeed does, but it guarantees So if you have some hesitation about obeying the Lord, I just want to assure you, based upon upon God's word, there are wonderful benefits to obeying him. And when we look at this, we see some of those benefits. And I break this apart, verses 8 and 9. Obedience offers the benefit of victory. The victory, first of all, of an open door. Now let me explain a couple things. The idea of an open door is used several different ways. We know Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No man could come unto the Father but by me, meaning through Jesus Christ. But he also used the expression that he was a door, that if any man would go in, they would be able to receive eternal life. So sometimes the word is used specifically in reference to salvation this open-door idea. But these people here at Philadelphia already walked through that particular door. They were saved. They were Christians. There's another expression that's used uh, in the Bible talking about open door that sometimes has the idea, connotation of an open door of getting the gospel out, missionary work. And so there have been some who have thought that this might be, an open door of missionary work. Well, neither of those possible applications are found within the text, and I would suggest to you that the idea is more related to something that God's promising out ahead to them, an open door. Let me uh, make a comment here. Jesus was giving these believers an assurance that they would be able to enter the future messianic kingdom. Uh, Honestly, I don't know how many of these people in this church were Jewish. I don't know how many of these people were Gentiles, how much they knew about the Old Testament prophets. But the Jews as a whole deny that Jesus was the Messiah and that they alone, not Jesus' followers, had access to the kingdom of God or access to what's sometimes called the kingdom of David. Now, we don't often think about this when we're reading John chapter three, which has that passage about Jesus meeting with the, the Nicodemus, and speaking about the new birth. But Jesus does say to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to, do, destroy your understanding, obviously he's talking about salvation, he's trying to explain the way of salvation to Nicodemus, who was only thinking about the physical, but Nicodemus had known that there was a promise about the kingdom of God, and that promise could only be realized if Nicodemus had the new birth. Now, I don't have time to elaborate upon this, but the idea as I see this in scripture, is that Jesus is saying to this church of Philadelphia, because of your obedience, not just your obedience to faith, but because you're obedient to what I say, you I basically saying, I can assure you you're gonna have part in this kingdom, which obviously was prophesied many years before by the prophets and also something that the apostle John is gonna be speaking about as well. Now, I understand and I certainly sympathize with those who maybe have some variations of their understanding about this open door. But I, I can assure you that God has given a promise that when he opens up the door of eternal life, which would include going into the Millennial Kingdom, when he opens it up to you, he is not going to close it. He's not going to... I mean, you're you're in. I mean, you are in. Uh, you say, "Well, I, I kind of wish I didn't really realize what I got myself into." And let me tell you, you're not thinking that way if you've got real salvation. So there's a victory of an open door. It's not locked. It's not closed. And everybody who knows Jesus Christ, including these believers at Philippi, are going to eventually end up in the millennial kingdom. But there's also another. Expression that is used in the passage of scripture, victory over the enemies. Apparently, some Jews had on some occasion attempted to force these Christians to disregard Christ's teaching and deny him. But uh, these believers in Philippi had survived this pressure without faltering Even though they were little in strength or, some would say, few in number, they held firm. Now, you study the Bible, you know at least some of the history there. Persecution was coming from every direction, not just the Jewish people, but the Gentile people as well. But here we have an unusual expression used. I will make them to come and worship before thy feet. Whoever it was who was bringing this persecution against them would be humbled. In this case, these were apparently Jews who were pretenders. They were false people. We call false Jews. And without elaborating upon this, it's almost the opposite expression that is used in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 14, where God says that the Gentiles are going to come and they're going to be looking for the Jewish people and following the Jewish people when these Jewish people turn to the Lord. This is the opposite. Here it is, these Jewish people are going to be humbled and they're going to come before this, these believers and some of them are to prostrate themselves before them and God's going to give them victory. That's basically what it is. you're going to have victory over your enemies. How that translates to us today, I can't really say other than the fact that there are scriptures talk talk about this. When a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Some ways or other, there are things that we don't quite understand, but I'll tell you what, in the end, in the end, all those individuals who may have caused us harm or persecuted us will bow before the knee of Jesus Christ, and they will be humbled. So, though it might have been rather distressing and very disheartening to these believers in this church to see these people come against and persecute them, Jesus, through the means of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle John, is saying, victory will be coming. I want you to notice also there will be victory over Satan's world system. I'll come back to the passage of Scripture. It says, verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which said they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Well, just kind of boil this down something simplistic. There's going to be victory over Satan's world system. And my, what do we have? The scripture that talks about this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Simplifying this, obedience will result in victory. As one puts on the armor of God, following God, trusting him, God promises victory. Now, the victory may not appear to be there right away, immediately, but eventually that victory will come. I want to ask you a question. Are you feeling spiritually barren You feel like you have a spiritual famine in your life? Little peace? No joy? Defeated, discouraged? You feel like God is distant? Learn this, that when you obey the Lord from your heart, a lot of those negative feelings can dissipate very quickly, and the joy of the Lord and his peace can flood your heart. So, Are there benefits to obedience? Absolutely there are benefits to obedience. There's the benefit of victory. Victory over sin and victory over Satan and victory over temptations. I want you to notice also another benefit to obedience. Obedience offers the benefit of protection. Verse 10, I just read that. He talks about, because you have kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which will come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, you know uh, that the Apostle John speaks about this tribulation that's going to be coming upon the whole earth. In fact, chapter 4 through chapter 19 is speaking about this great tribulation. And these faithful believers could be certain that they would escape this awful time of judgment coming upon them. Now, you understand, as John is writing this letter, this letter of 22 chapters or so we have, these churches, these respective churches, are going to hear the entire letter read to them. Unless they fall asleep like some Baptists do but they're going to hear the whole letter read to them. And they're going to hear like all these problems and all this judgment is going to come. But here they had the promise that God's going to deliver from this. Now, I, I can't, I don't know where you stand on this. I don't you know where Victory Baptist Church stands on this. We believe the rapture is going to take us out of here very quickly. And if you're a believer, whether you believe that or not, you're going to go too. And and then the tribulation is going to set in, terrible terrible time. I've known some people think that we're in the tribulation right now, and uh, I feel sorry for them, because we aren't in the tribulation. This is only small. What's going on? It's bad, but it's only small compared with what the tribulation is going to come upon. But here, uh, there's no promise that this is going to take place right away. The tribulation period, but you know for the believers at Philippi. But these faithful believers could be certain that they would escape this future judgment coming upon the earth. So we're talking about protection. God is not saying he's going to preserve them through it, but he's going to deliver them from it. These faithful believers could be certain God would be their ultimate protection. Indeed, he would be the one who would protect them. So we're talking about promises, wonderful benefits. I also will keep thee. Physically, spiritually, they certainly are not going to have to be going through this terrible time. Obedience offers the benefit of protection. You say, "Well, I know believers who are harmed physically." Yeah, that's true. We 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 know believers who were harmed physically. We know they're persecuted peoples. So we are not we are not saying that every single believer is going to be immune, immunized from any kind of problem and trials. We know that's not true. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It could even be to the point of martyrdom. In this case though, these particular believers are not going to have to go through that great tribulation period. And that seems to be the implication of this passage He's saying, I will protect you. Overall, we know that God will protect us. He can protect us. Yes, indeed, he has a power to protect us from physical harm. But certainly, he can protect us from spiritual harm. Don't you love that verse? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you have all kinds of animosity coming against you, an onslaught coming against you, and you wonder, how in the world am I ever going to make it through? You can have the assurance that God's going to protect you. He will protect you. He's not going. To, you're not going to lose your salvation. Even if bad things happen from the physical standpoint, you're going to be able to join him someday. Wonderful benefits. But lastly, I want you to see that obedience offers the benefits of eternal rewards. Verses 11 and 12. There are two words that are used here. I'll make some comments upon. A crown. And let's look at that. It says, Behold, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Uh, I understand that the city of Philadelphia was known for its games and festivals, so it was a normal thing for people to understand the idea of a crown. And... Crown spoke of royalty, honor, and privilege. So we think about this. Christians are promised, if they're faithful, they're promised rewards, and they're promised even crowns. There's various crowns that are mentioned in Scripture that receive, faithful believers will receive. Now, how in the world could crowns be taken away? I only cite this, this example in the book, I believe it's 2 John, where it talks about be careful that you stay faithful in the doctrine of Christ so that your reward, you don't lose your reward. So the crown can be forfeited by not seeing, staying faithful to him. Now, you may think about that one for a little bit. God is saying, listen you stay faithful stay faithful so that you do not lose that crown out ahead indeed uh, we can kind of smugly say well i don't care about the crown just so i make it into heaven well god is expecting us to gain rewards and he doesn't want us to lose those rewards so the expression of crown is used and then there's another word that is used here I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. A pillar depicted permanence, strength, and it would also imply permanence or strength in the future millennial city. Uh, We could probably conclude this would involve an absolute assurance, assurance of eternal life, and there's expressions, the name of my God will be there. The name of my city will be written on you. My name will be on you. All these speak of wonderful, wonderful benefits of the rewards of people who stay faithful. Let's go back again. Verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my due name. All these things are are maybe a little bit strange to us, these metaphors that are used. But he's talking about some wonderful, wonderful benefits. Blessings to these believers who are obedient, who have been obedient to the Lord, and continue on that pathway. Now, I'm reminded as I was studying this passage of scripture of something that the prophet Malachi spoke about when Malachi was thinking about people who stood faithful. You know, that was a terrible, terrible time. But in Malachi chapter three, It says this, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him uh, for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Even the prophet Malachi spoke about these wonderful benefits of believers who would follow the Lord. Um, There are benefits to obedience. Think about your own life now. Is it characterized by obedience? Not obedience without having a heart behind it, not partial obedience, not inconsistent obedience not convenient obedience, but total obedience. What changes can you make so that you also have a testimony like this? The benefits of obedience are manifold. Victory can be ours. As we apply the word of God to our life, we can be victorious. We take upon us the whole armor of God, the sword of the spirit. We can be victorious, victorious of the devil. We can have God's wonderful protection. We have eternal rewards. Obedience is a way in which we display our faith. Now, obedience never brings salvation. All right. Yes, obeying in faith and repenting of our sin, but obedience of itself is 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 not meritorious. It's not like God's. Oh, you're you are obedient because you're obedient. Therefore, you're going to get in heaven. Our our salvation is completely based upon the merits of Jesus Christ. But the way we show, the way we demonstrate that we have genuine faith is that we do what he wants. Uh, you're going to find in the teachings of Christ the stress and obeyings if you love me, keep my commandments. If you go to the apostles, you're going to find over and over again the importance of obedience. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Obedience should be part of the believer's life. Don't be like the small child who, who is reluctant to obey and the parent says, listen, I wouldn't have to discipline you, and I know you don't like this. But if you just obeyed, it would be a whole lot easier. And you, you know, you're trying to convince the child that there is a great benefit to obeying, uh, not just for the child, but also for you as a parent, because it's rather, it's rather uh, not fun to do, even though sometimes children think that you're having fun doing this but they can avoid discipline and chasing if they obey. And guess what? We as believers, if we just simply obey the Lord, you say, what do I need to obey the Lord in? You you do know there's, there's more than one or two commands in the New Testament, obedience. It might be stewardship. I know some Christians who, they knew they needed to get baptized, but they're afraid of getting their hair wet I mean, they're they're Christians who, like, they know they should talk to other people about the Lord, but they allow fear to grip their heart. They're Christians who know they need to read the Bible on a regular basis and meditate upon it, but they get too preoccupied with other things. list is rather extensive. Uh, But you think about your life. Are there areas of your life that you know what God wants you to do, and you're just reluctant, Hesitant, You're waiting. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Do what God wants. Obey him. Trust him. Obedience is the very best way to show that we believe. And I hope you've made that a pattern in your life. As we have spent a little bit of time reflecting in the Church of Philadelphia, the Lord has given some Very strong, positive commendation to this church. You've kept my word. You've kept my word. And because you've kept my word, there's going to be some wonderful benefits. And I can say as well to you, by way of testimony, whenever I've obeyed the Lord, God always has ways of blessing. And although it may not always be monetary, I'm telling you, there are numerous blessings, so many, we cannot even count them if we obey him. So don't just be like that reluctant child. I'll wait until I get a spanking and then I'll go obey. No, that's not what the Lord wants. He wants you to say, okay, if you said it, God, I believe it, that settles it. Now I'm going to obey. Let's not just be believing in our head but may we practice it with our life. A city of commendation, wonderful benefits to obedience to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the testimony of this church. We don't understand all the details that are here, but we thank you for their willingness to obey you, even in the midst of trials and enemies and opposition and a very wicked, heathen culture. And we thank you, Lord, for that that uh, information, your revelation that you've given to us as an example, and we pray that we would be known as children of obedience. We know, Lord, that obedience does not result in our salvation, but we know that we can demonstrate our love for you by obeying your commands. Help us, dear God. Truly, we need your help to be obedient before you, what you show us, what you teach us, We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed.